What's good, everybody? It's your man, Big Dom, host of the True Players Podcast. Hitting you with the upfront, blatantly honest, in your face, no punches held, opinions on sports, current events, relationships, and many other topics along the way. Check out this next episode of my podcast. What's good, everybody? It's your man, Big Dom, coming live and at you with a True Players Podcast episode with my with my guest, my bro, Matthew, from Jacobin Sports Talk and uh, Nick's Believe Pod. Uh, we're going to be talking about some big-time trade deadlines that happened today over the past couple of days. A lot of shockers here, guys. And I've got Malikas, i got Matthew with me. We're going to get started with this. Um, now, Matt, before we start, I want to talk about the Knicks' two-game winning streak. Um, started on Sunday. Um, with the they came from was it Sunday? I forgot which day. They played the Sixers. They were down yeah. twenty seven. Yeah, they're down twenty seven in the first half. They came back and stunningly beat Joel Embiid and the Sixers. Um, your thoughts on that game? They were they were out. Um, ARJ uh, Barrett in that game. Um, your thoughts about that game? Uh, I mean, first it was even it wasn't even just the first half. It was the first quarter. They were down. They were down, I think, thirty-three to twelve, just a couple of minutes in. It was crazy. Um, it was a really interesting game, especially with the trade deadline approaching, because it was a game where RJ Barrett, like you said, was absent. Um, the big guns were not really firing. Randall and Brunson did not have great games, and uh, the Knicks have struggled this year at home. And I wrote about this earlier this week. The Knicks have struggled now for about 10 years winning in the division. The Knicks have been terrible against their own division for a long time. And in any sport, that's who you play 20% of your season against. If you can't win there, you're at a disadvantage at the start against everybody else. So for the Knicks to come back at home where they've struggled against a division rival, Embiid was questionable before the game, and then he played. Mitch is out. So you've got that disadvantage to deal with also. And on top of that, you're relying really on the bench. It was Obi. It was Hartenstein, it was um, Quickly, and it was McBride and Fournier. Mm-hmm. Fournier and McBride and Hartenstein in particular on both ends. Um, mm-hmm. had a, I mean, Fournier hadn't played in that many minutes in two, three months. Mm-hmm. And for he has his, you know, he has flaws. He's not a player that I think a lot of people think going forward matters for this team, but he's a professional. He's a guy that, you paid him last year, and he set the franchise record for three-pointers made. Whatever you think about him, what you paid him to do, he did. And he did it at almost a 40% clip. This mm-hmm. year, he lost his job, and he should. He, Quentin Grimes should be starting. And Fournier is out of the rotation. That's also – that's fine. But you keep a guy like that around for what he does in practice. You keep a guy like that around because he's a professional who helps set the culture. And you keep a guy like that around because every now and then – especially this team with their problems shooting, you need that guy to come off the bench. And he was five of eight on threes. Mm -hmm. Um, He was creating off the dribble. He set up McBride for a really important three in the fourth um, Mm -hmm. off of the dribble. It was a a good win in the sense that I thought that it proved this team has some depth, Mm -hmm. which made an interesting then perspective going into the trade deadline because you want to trade that depth seeing like it's coming through for you. Or... Mm -hmm. Do you want to parlay it and, and take a big shot at somebody else? So, I, to me, from the Philly win, that's what stood out. What gotcha. about you? 
the what was big about the Philly game, I, I posted on Facebook. I couldn't say Hardenstein, and he after I said that, he put in the, one of the best performances he had in the season. 15, 15 rebounds. Even though there was some, it was some rebounds you should have you should have still got. I mean, this guy could easily got. He always got misses some. He always misses some. <laughs> and have you noticed with Hardenstein? This is different than with Mitch or with Jericho Sims. Uh-huh. Mitch and Jericho Sims are so big and long and athletic that there are times where they get a rebound and like it's, it's their rebound. Like they jumped, they got you know Sims will jump like over the rim to get some of them. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have ever seen Hartenstein grab an uncontested rebound in my life. No. Every time that man like he'll get a rebound. Yeah, I never believe it. I look at the numbers and I'm like, he did not have 15 rebounds. The numbers say that he did, but. <laughs> Every single one of those rebounds was contested. And like you said, there's a half dozen. He should have had 21 because there's a half dozen that were right there. I'm, but I don't want – look, he had a great game. you know. He, and he has recently, especially uh, since Mitch went down the mm-hmm. last four, I think four games in a row, he's had double-digit rebounds. He's mm-hmm. been killing the offensive glass, which they really missed since mm-hmm. Mitch has been gone. He has – he did a good job. Now, if they had traded him today – for a second mm-hmm. round pick, would I have been crying on this broadcast right now? I would not be. No. <laughs> but he had a good game. He was he did everything he could to try to bother Joel Embiid. And I don't think any of it worked, but he kept trying. Now Joel Joel Embiid is a beast. Um mm-hmm. I respect him. You know which guy that stood out to me? I always was a big fan of this guy. Is is our fellow New Yorker that plays a three position, Tobias Harris. I just felt he was a talent that that still People don't know don't know how to utilize him. I think he's far more than what he is. He's far mm-hmm. more than 80 point, 80 point per game scorer. He could be on a team where he's alpha, he could be 25, 26 a game. Yeah, you know he's got that? the touch for it. He's 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 made they've all made some sacrifices. He's made he gets well, he got a good contract from them. But mm-hmm. as far as game goes and as far as what that does to your rep and your legacy, like he's given up more probably than anybody. You know, Maxi and Embiid. Embiid is always gonna have the biggest role. Maxi's mm-hmm. role is growing. Harden, mm-hmm. you know, his job has changed, but he's still he's going to touch the ball probably more than anybody. But yes. like you said, Tobias Harris is the one who we need you to stand in the corner. We need you on this play just to screen or be decoy. We need you to take five fewer shots than you could get, you know, anywhere mm-hmm. else. And he does it. He does do mm-hmm. it. You know, I think he. I think he'd be. He would. He would have been a perfect fit in this Nick team right now. Been a lot of talk there every year. There's a Tobias Harris to the Nick Ruber at some point, um, yeah. and it would have been interesting because, especially if you put him at the three, it would be very interesting seeing the starting lineup with a two and a three that can both shoot the way that yeah. um, Harris and Grimes would be able to. RJ, not a you know, RJ's a different player. It would be yeah. interesting to see, like, it would be it, the spacing would be, I think, really fun to watch. Yes, yes, so. Yeah, that that was that was a great game. I like Deuce stepped up. You know, he's a he's a he's a very tough defensive player. He's a little short, six one. He's like six one, six two. Little short guy, but he's really he gets in that defense. And he was bothering Ma- uh, Max Seal, and he was bothering Harden a little bit. Harden, like you said, Harden's role changed. He's more of a, he's more of a facilitator. And he picks his shot style. It's not going to be the Harden that was dropping forty points in Houston. He's a different guy now. He understands the ball distribution. I think him playing with the in the Dantoni system. Really opened him up to be more of a facilitator in this type of offense. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of groomed for that. And let's face it, it was a big win for the Knicks. It proved that we could beat a big time team. We've been feasting on sub five hundred teams the entire season, and mm-hmm. to get a get a big win um, against the Sixers after losing against the Lakers, losing against the Clippers in, in horrible fashion, where we saw Archie Brad get benched in the fourth quarter, which has happened the second time this season. You know, it raised eyebrows, and it, it, it brought into a lot of question about RJ Barrett as the player that we picked in um, the third pick three three years ago. Um, it brings up a lot of question, but I'm gonna give my take on it. I feel that the presence of Brunson was much more with ball. He's more ball dominant than any other point guard they ever had. It took away from from Barrett, plus moving Barrett to the three. We spoke about this last year when we went about podcast for the first time. I mentioned RJ could play the three. You said no, he cannot because he may not have the strength to do that on an everyday basis. And your 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 theory is proven correct now because you know his his defensive prowess is dropping. Yeah, he's constantly, 
is Cassie's playing against the, the, the big threes. Mm-hmm. And it's taking away from his ability to score and be more efficient with the three-point shot and all that stuff. And I gotta I gotta I gotta give it to you. You are on the money with that. I think that's what that's I think that's what's hurting him, actually. Yeah, uh, RJ I think to some degree has been a to some degree, he's been a victim of his circumstance. He was drafted third overall. Most players who are drafted third overall are are usually put in a, a pretty prime position as far as um, shots go. RJ's first year, um, Julius Randle got the most shots on the team. Marcus Morris was second while he was still here. RJ was third. The next year, the gap actually grew. That's the year Randle had his great season. He was all NBA second team. Randle's shots went up. RJ's went down. And... Uh, Emmanuel quickly, who was a rookie, got more shots per 36 than RJ did. And Derek Rose, who they brought in that season, also got more shots. So RJ went from, okay, he's your rookie. He's right behind Randall and Morris. Second year, usually maybe you want to give that guy more responsibility. Instead, they dropped him from two to four. Last mm-hmm. season is the only time as a Nick that he ever, um, he led the team in shooting. Didn't really go great. And then this season, mm-hmm. again, Randall and Brunson, both take more. So, like, it seems on the one hand, RJ's greatest strength is probably his scoring. Like, one of the weird things about RJ is that you can't say, oh, you could pick Brunson and say, what does Brunson do really, really well? He's a great ball handler. He's a great, um, he creates fouls for himself. He's so, you know, his his dribble and his handle lets him hesitate and make a lot of moves that will force d- defenses into fouling him into three-point opportunities. And he has an amazing mid-range touch, like either on his floater. Those are all things. You look at Julius Randle. What does he do really, really well? He's a brilliant ball handler and passer for his size. Um, he's a better scorer than most. Like he's a he's a very good rebounder. Like it's easy to say when you look at R.J. Barrett, and you say what does he do better than most people? It's very hard to say. Mm-hmm. He's not a better passer. Mm-hmm. He's not a better rebounder. He can score. He's not a He's not an elite, you know, he can score, but he's not an elite scorer. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say. Like, and then so when you have that guy, and the question is like, okay, what does he do the best? And like, is he being given the best opportunity to even shine? Because we know Randall's gonna get the ball first. We know Brunson's gonna get the ball first. You know? Right. But I, I get I don't know if you agree with me not with me or not. I think he's a hell I think Archie's a hell of a closer. I agree. I agree. And we talked. We were talking about this before we went on the air, and this is something I wanted to say. Uh, and Walt Frazier talks about it all the time in the broadcast. RJ has a quality Jason Kidd used to have. Jason Kidd was a terrible shooter unless there was three minutes or less left in the game. Mm-hmm. And then you didn't want Jason – if you were playing against Jason Kidd, you did not want to see him taking a three, especially an open one. RJ, for 45 minutes of the game, go ahead. You want to shoot from out there? That's fine. Last three minutes, no. Fourth quarters, sec- almost every game, RJ will have 22, and like 15 of them were in the second half. Yeah, That's almost always the case. There is a player similar to RJ Barrett, and I think if if the Knicks considered going this way, it could be the best thing for the team and for the player. And, and there was a, there's a guy in the Hall of Fame who was also the number three pick overall in the draft. He was drafted to a team in the Knicks division, and when that guy came into the league, for all his talent and as high as he was picked, they put him on the bench. Mm-hmm. And he became sixth man of the year multiple times. And then after a while, after maybe six or seven years, then he became a starter. It didn't hurt him. He ended up in the Hall of Fame. Kevin McHale. If Kevin yeah. McHale was good enough to come off the bench because it let the Celtic bench destroy people. And mm-hmm. in the last five minutes of the game, like you're talking about with RJ, Kevin McHale was out there. Mm-hmm. I think RJ on the bench, he gets to be the focus offensively, which is best for him. He doesn't mm-hmm. have Randall and Brunson to fight with the ball over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't have to handle it so much. You've got Quickly, you've got McBride, uh, you got Josh Hart now. Mm-hmm. You put him on the bench, let him cook, let him do his thing, and then last five minutes of the game, he's doing well. Great. RJ's mm-hmm. out there. But I, I just think. It would allow you, like we talked about earlier with Tobias Harris, it lets you get more spacing for your starters and more offense for your bench, which are both things that the Knicks need. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. And we did see that, how, how Arch came back from his little illness. Um, 
they came back, came from behind in that game as well. And um, it's funny. He was shooting bricks first three quarters. In the fourth quarter, all of a sudden he's the fo- he's the focal point. He's the go he's the go to guy. He's the one getting the buckets. You can see you know? he made one, and you knew like, okay, here it is. Mm-hmm. He gets it to streaks within the game. Yes, he does. He's a streaky shooter. He's streaky over months, and he's streaky within games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that is that is all in a nutshell with the New York Knicks. They're going to be facing the Sixers again in Philadelphia. On Saturday, I believe, right? Uh, it's tomorrow, Friday. Tomorrow, Friday, tomorrow. Okay, I'm, I'm actually see how that plays out. Um, mm-hmm. Now with the new addition, Josh Hart. But before we get to any Knicks trades, you and I, before we got to jump on this podcast, we spoke about the the demolishing of the failed experiment in Brooklyn, and how I feel that New York Knicks is still a New York Knicks basketball town, and all test purposes, as great as those players, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant were, are, they failed miserably in Brooklyn in delivering what they were brought into the, to deliver. Your thoughts on that? So I'm not even a Nets fan. Um, mm-hmm. I used to like the old New Jersey Nets just because they were, if the Knicks weren't on, I would watch the Nets. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brooklyn Nets, not really my thing. But I saw today either today or yesterday, Kyrie Irving in Dallas, um, when he heard about he heard about Durant being traded to Phoenix, mm-hmm. and Kyrie made a comment like that he was just happy that Durant got out of Brooklyn. And it is so delicious to see this franchise that is like the ultimate little brother that comes into your space, has done nothing in life to earn anything, but they get the free ride, they get the benefit of being a New York City team, but like nobody really cares. The press isn't on them. The you know the fans they get all the benefits of being they got KD and Kyrie. Why? Because it's New York City. Mm-hmm. And it's it's New York City NBA because the Knicks have made you know, have made it that over 75 years. You came in on the on the back of that. You came in, you got none of the heat, none of the pressure. Mm-hmm. And then try taking all of the glory and rubbing it in the face of the Knicks. And <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy. You can look it up. The day that KD signed with the Nets, I wrote an article about all the reasons why it was good for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. That Kevin Durant had gone to the Nets. You could see this coming a mile away and for Kyrie to get let me say this about Kyrie who's very complicated I'm not, I think Kyrie gets a lot of shit he doesn't deserve mm-hmm. but Kyrie also gets a lot of shit that he does deserve yeah Kyrie came to the Nets he got a max contract he got it because Durant wanted him here he wasn't their top choice but Katie wanted him they got him mm-hmm. he played about 60% of the games that mm-hmm. the Nets had over the so he missed almost half the games Mm-hmm. Every people say that Kyrie is bizarre. Kyrie is unpredictable. No, Kyrie has the exact same mentality that Carmelo Anthony had when he was a player. If you follow Carmelo's career, whatever mm-hmm. his heart was, whatever his love was, the the easiest way to predict Melo's life was okay. Where is the most money? That's mm-hmm. where he's going. I'm not saying that as a judgment. Good for Melo. I'm not at all saying he he shouldn't do that. But it mm-hmm. was more than most players. Wherever the most dollars was, that's where Carmelo was definitely going. For all Kyrie's supposed weirdness, remember, mm-hmm. after last year, in the summer, he wants, a, he wants a max deal from the Nets, who obviously have all the leverage at that point after what happened last season. And mm-hmm. they're like, no, we're not, we're not giving that to you now. So what is his response? His mm-hmm. response is, okay, I want permission to go look for sign and trades. And they say, fine. And the reason he's doing that is because he knows He's got there's a market that he's trying to get to while he can get to it because he wants that max deal. It's four years, 198 million. He wants it. Nobody mm-hmm. in the summer gives it to him. So he has a choice. He has talked just this week since going to Dallas. He said that Brooklyn disrespected him, that he thought about asking for a trade his first year there. So okay, that would take him in his word. If that's true, you and your Mr. Like, I, I go to the beat of my own drummer. 
I don't follow all the social norms. So this summer, when he saw nobody was going to sign a trade for him, he still had the option of, okay, I will be a free agent. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take less money than I know I can get, mm-hmm. but I'm going to take it to be free. And when you're someone who, bless you, like if you're in a position financially where you can say, like, I'll get it back later in life, but mm-hmm. right now I got, I got to be happy. Like I have to be somewhere that I'm, I'm, I'm good. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it. He picked up that option because it was the most dollars. And again, if that's what you're about, respect. Like I mm-hmm. get it, but you can't do that. And then be like, but I'm different, but I'm different, but I'm different. Then this year, trade mm-hmm. deadline, he wants the extension from the Nets during the season. They tell him we want to wait. Boom, right away, okay, I want to be traded. And if you pay attention to him, the team that trades for Kyrie, the reason Dallas makes sense and always made more sense than all these other teams, whoever trades for Kyrie this season has his bird rights, which means mm-hmm. when he hits free agency this summer, there are 29 teams that have to fit him into the cap if he's going to go there. And he mm-hmm. wants about $50 million a year. There's not a lot of teams that are going to have that space. And a lot of the teams that have that space are not looking to give it to Kyrie. Mm-hmm. So he made sure he got traded to the only place that is so desperate to have him that mm-hmm. they're going to pay him that, and they can go over the cap. If you have bird rights, you can go over the cap to resign people. So mm-hmm. all of this – now, all of this is – it's very – it's – it's obviously intelligent. It's the best thing for his career. But don't give me the, like, I'm so unpredictable. I don't talk to pawns. I'm different from everybody else. And every single move <laughs> that you make is taking you toward the last dollar. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Nets signed up for. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the big three, the Net big three, won seven playoff games together and made five trade requests while they were there. Yep. And you take that balance. You won seven playoff games. Mm-hmm. You had five trade requests, and all those guys are now gone. I can't think of I can't think of anything like this. The only thing I can think of is when the 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 the, nine, the Bulls broke apart. But the Bulls had won all those titles. Six. Yeah, that was even that was different. Mm-hmm. And that was that was all because the front office was cheap, and they didn't want to pay anymore. This is not that. This is, I can't believe this. I couldn't believe it. And plus, when I heard the trade, for, I heard Kyrie they got Spencer Dinwiddie back. They got a they got a good wing back. I thought Kevin Durant was going to stay. Let's see how it is with Din with Dinwiddie. I think they still would have made the second round with with Dinwiddie as a point guard. I they mean, a good player. They would have been an interesting. They would have been a very interesting team. Yeah. And um, I've just felt that wow, and then KD also slides over to Phoenix again. He banned he bandwagon jumps to the most talented players. Now you got the, the closest thing to Jordan, which is Devin Booker, in my opinion, as far mm-hmm. as the ability to, to to score at will. You got you got Chris Paul, who is you know, no matter how old he is, you get into the fourth quarter, he's dangerous. He's Isaiah Thomas. If he's your third best player, you're a pretty good team. And now you is is it fair to say you put you put Phoenix as the favorites to win the West? So I like Phoenix more than I normally would, and I don't. The reason I would say Phoenix absolutely can win the West is because they have as good a one-two punch as anybody in the West. Mm-hmm. And the West is so weird this year. This is not the year like normally where you'd have like a great Golden State team or a great Houston or the Spurs or like when the Lakers are dominant you don't have that like Denver is not terrifying they're very good so can Phoenix beat Denver yeah if you read if you read any of the Denver um newspapers and sites today like they're terrified in Denver about Phoenix the fans are anyway Mm -hmm. uh Memphis is very good but like you're not they're not they're not they haven't done anything immature immature team so Yes, Phoenix is more dangerous. I usually I don't like a team that gets thrown together with 25 games left. And remember, Katie's coming off the MCL. He should be fine. But normally I don't like that. But the West is so weird this year that it could work. The thing is, by having to trade, they traded Jay Crowder, who wasn't playing, but they traded Crowder, they traded Mikael Bridges, they traded Cam Johnson. They have no one to play defense. In the you get the wrong matchup. If Phoenix gets the Clippers in the second round, they do not have wings anymore 
to play Kawhi and Paul George like they did. If Phoenix mm-hmm. gets Denver, if mm-hmm. they get Memphis, even Dallas maybe, Phoenix does not have a, a really that defense that they had. Mm-hmm. So the right matchup, they'll kill. They'll kill. You know, you put them against the right team, they'll blow them out four games out of four. Mm-hmm. But if someone can run with them, and a lot of teams in the West can, mm-hmm. and we got to see about that defense. I don't know. Know you you brought you brought valuable points about the defensive side. I forgot about. I thought about the offense. I exposed they could be offensively. I totally forgot the defenses. Undoubtedly they will. But that's a you know if Phoenix could have just held on to one of those forwards, just hold on to Cam Johnson. Like yeah, I get why the Nets got Bridges. And Ooh, Cam Johnson. Know, you know if they he's, he's, Cam Johnson. He's got he size. He can score. He can score. Remember he beat the Knicks. Oh, yeah. On like a forty foot buzzer beater the other year, yeah. He can defend like if they just could have kept one of those guys, um, but you got it and you get Kevin Durant, you got to say okay, like yep. we'll throw everything at you. We'll see. As long yeah. as he is what he's been, you have to figure now. Like, yeah, that's that's a dangerous team. They were playing well. They had one eight to ten um, mm-hmm. coming into the, the deadline. They'll mm-hmm. be very fun to watch. What do you think about? Do you think Dallas is any better now than they were before they made the Kyrie trade in terms of what their ceiling is? They're a little bit better. They're a, they're a bigger threat now. But losing that wing that came over to the Nets also kind of hurt them too. Yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith is a very – every team in the league would take Dorian Finney-Smith on the team. Um, That's what you said before about Durant staying. The Nets now have in their front court, they got Nick Claxton, Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, um, Mikael Bridges, Cameron Johnson, um, Crowder. Oh, no, they traded Crowder. They have a ton of long, great defensive forwards. That'd be a really interesting team. Yeah. If, you know, if they had kept KD, obviously. Um, do the Nets, do, I believe the Nets still will be in the playoffs, but now they're going to be able to be in the playing game with that team. Now, if Cam Johnson blossoms to the player that I've seen against the Knicks, when 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 um, J- uh, Randall picked the fight with him at Phoenix, <laughs> listen, yes he did. Listen, Forgot that kid that. is guy has some some untapped potential. That'd be like okay, he could play. Yeah, he could play. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be fascinating but, if the Knicks and the Nets ended up having to play in the playing against each other. Ooh, that's gonna be that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough series. That's still gonna be a tough series, um, because I, I, I because I believe I'm a believer in Dinwiddie as a player. Dinwiddie tariff Dinwiddie is legit. Yeah, and he loves. He's one of those guys who he has a thing in him to beat the Knicks. When I when the Knicks was looking for point guards, and I mentioned it on Facebook, I said Knicks should definitely look at Spencer Dinwiddie. When he was coming off the ACL, mm-hmm. he should one of them players should, they should have looked into. Yep. And I believe they signed end up signing Kemba Walker. That we we get up getting Kemba Walker and stuff. To be uh, fair, Kemba cost them almost nothing. Yeah, and you know he does make twenty million a year. Yeah, but you're right; he's a legit good player. Mm-hmm. So and Jay Crowder ends up going to the Bucks. That that gives him a defensive forward out there, and mm-hmm. and a three point shooter is going to open the game, open the lanes for Giannis as he already already has. He makes those lanes open by himself. Now he got a shooter he could throw, throw it out to. And then when Chris Middleton comes back healthy. The only concern people that started to voice about Crowder as it got closer to the deadline, because a lot of people, this move has been coming since the summer. So a lot of people were confused, like, why have they not just done it already? So Crowder, I think he's he's mid-30s. He's got to be 34 to 36. For that guy to sit this long in the season, and now you got to ramp him up. Like, he's got to get in game shape. He's got to go through getting his legs back under him, like playing in actual game conditions. There's some concern that, like, you may be taking a risk that he's going to be. But he's been a professional forever. I think he'll do – if it's possible to do it, he'll do it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, even if he only gives them, you know, 12 minutes a game in the playoffs, you know what he's about. You know what he's going to bring. You know that when he gets off the floor, you're probably in a better position than when he first came in. Exactly. Exactly. So now let's talk about our team. And before I get to our team, um, I, I give I, that's why I give Carmelo answer Anthony the utmost respect. He wanted to be the Knicks, he wanted the limelight, he wanted the responsibility. Kyrie and, and KD didn't want that responsibility. 
Carmel said, I'm here to take it. I'm here, I'm here for all the smoke. Give it to me. And he stood every night, good or bad, took the comments, took the criticisms, took the accolades, and it was like, I'm a New York Nick. You know? Um, I think Phil Jackson screwed him up. Phil wronged him. I think I think in Grunwell with that bad trade when they traded Camby to uh to get uh, um Darko. What was it, Darko or Bagnani? Bagnani was the Bagnani was the bad deal, but that was a little Dolan wanted that. I think Grunwell got fired shortly before or shortly after that deal, and the suspicion was that part of the reason was Grunwell didn't want to make that deal and Dolan mm-hmm. insisted on it. Yeah. So a lot of things happen with a lot of things happen amongst those 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 next teams, but now we 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 finally the the Cam Reddish saga in New York is over. <laughs> Cam um, is free. Cam, Cam is free. Is free. <laughs> He's gonna go to Portland to play under Chauncey Billups, who will know how to use him, or who will want to use him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see about that. You know, I mean, I that, Cam's about to find himself losing minutes to Shannon Sharp already. Oh wow. I mean, they, that's couple. why they traded hard. They wanted to free up time for they wanted to free up more minutes for Sharp. And he started playing last night. He played more than usual. Um I would like to see Cam get a shot somewhere. Mm-hmm. Portland's a nice Portland's a nice market. If he he can make it there and land there, fans will love you. Mm-hmm. Comfortable there. I hope it works for him. I don't know why. I don't know what it is, but something something keeps that dude from, from getting minutes. I hope it stops. I hope so too. Hope so too. But now we got Josh Hart here. He's a big fan. He, he got a big fan in, in, in the head coach he's gonna be playing for. Oh yeah. In, in, in Thibs. And he's gets to play with his former Villanova teammate in Jalen um Jalen Brunson. Your thoughts on that trade and how, how what's the impact he's gonna have? I think he's gonna have a big impact on this team. Yeah, I, I I think there's an immediate impact and a and a a, sh- a kind of larger larger one for the future. I like the deal. Mm-hmm. I like Josh Hart very much as a player. I think he's the kind of player that the Knicks have been lacking um, for a while, which is he is just your straight up. I hate to I hate to simplify oversimplify, but like he just he's a winner. Like he he doesn't need to shoot. Every everybody will say I don't care if I shoot as long as we win. He lives it. Like this man mm-hmm. gets out there, walks on the water, and lives it. He he started with the Pelicans the first few years of his career, got traded to Portland in the CJ McCollum deal. The moment he got traded to Portland, this is when Dame Lillard was out it was last season. Um, and now McCollum was gone. He took a ton of shots. They wanted him to, and he did. Mm-hmm. A ton of threes. Um, and he does everything else. He's a plus defender. Mm-hmm. He last year he if he had taken enough shots to qualify, he would have set the NBA record. He would have been the first guard ever to shoot 60% from two over a full season. He's extremely efficient inside. He gets to the basket all the time. He takes good shots that he knows that he can make. He is a better rebounder than a lot of power forwards and centers are. Mm-hmm. Um, he averages over eight rebounds a game. He, I just read he's the first. The only other players his size are smaller to average as many rebounds as he has is Jason Kidd. And um, oh, I'll have to look it up and find a few. But, like, he's an elite rebounder. He gets, like, four assists a game. The only question with Josh Hart, two things, really. Um, he's a free agent this summer. He has a player option. He probably won't pick it up because it's only for $13 million and he can get more from that in an extension. The thinking is his agents are also Julius Randle's agents. They're both from CAA. They're Leon Rose guys. Like you said, he's he's – Thibodeau has been vocally in love with him for a long time. Brunson is obviously a, a friend of his. I don't think there's any question they will extend him. Um, mm-hmm. But the other question, and this has been an issue that the that Portland has had trouble with this year, for some reason this season, nobody knows why, he has completely given up trying to shoot three-pointers to the point mm-hmm. that it has sabotaged their offense at times, like where sets will come to a dead halt because he will not shoot the ball. His percentage is down. And mm-hmm. if you look at his career, he's he's a weird player in that the first half of his career, he started taking way more threes and way fewer twos, and now that's reversed again, where he's mm-hmm. kind of way down on it. So he's a he's a very 
interesting kind of career arc as a player. But mm-hmm. as a 6'5", he's a wing who doesn't need the ball. Um, he, he's tough. You know, the Knicks get killed this year on the defensive glass. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a major reason they did this. I'm very excited about it. I The one thing I've been curious about, and the trade kind of answers it for me, I've wondered, like, are the Knicks, like, are they looking to win as soon as possible? Or are they looking to, like, let's build with this young core and, you know, we'll add to it. I think they want to win now because when you trade for, he's going to be 28 in March, Mm -hmm. um, and then you're going to extend him into his end of his 20s and his 30s. You're not doing that because you're thinking five years from now. Like, clearly, and and by getting, um, my God, I already forgot who we're talking about. By getting Josh Hart, Josh Hart, you now have the ability to trade potentially Grimes or quickly in a deal because um, Grimes could replace quickly as kind of your wing off the bench, uh, mm-hmm. as a guard off the bench if you want. If he defends, he rebounds. Or you could trade Grimes. I wouldn't do it, but you could potentially trade Grimes and stick hard in the starting lineup, and he's, he's a very good defender. Um mm-hmm. He's a very, very. I'm. I'm really happy with the move. I think New York will absolutely love him. Now, so all in all, we we have flipped Kevin Knox, who didn't get a chance in New York either, for Josh Hart. <laughs> in so many, in so many words, in so many trades. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. We did. Yeah. <laughs> and guess, and Kevin Knox ends up in in. Uh, he's also in Portland now. He's he got also directed. He got traded to Golden State, but now they're sending him to Portland. So, um, very interesting. Yeah, a lot of symmetry there. Wow, wow! Another player who didn't get enough playing time, in my opinion. They 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 brought in more Keith Morris and screwed up his development, and and now he's lost. His career's lost. I never understood why. I never understood drafting Knox because I never understood what the plan was to put him and Porzingis together because Porzingis was very clear about not wanting to play center, which meant, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because once he got traded, he's been a center basically ever since. Basically. But when he was with the, when he was with the Knicks, he said he didn't want to play center. Mm-hmm. Um, if he had agreed to play center, which was his best position, Kevin Knox is a, is a four. Kevin Knox is not a rebound. He can't rebound with big guys like that at the four. But he's mm-hmm. not. So if you say, okay, he's not a four, we play KP at four, we'll play Knox at three. He was never quick enough, like to deal with threes. He's he's quick for a four. He's not quick for a small forward. Um, the thing I'll always remember about Kevin Knox, once a year, every single year, that man in a game would fly in for a dunk that would have been like one of the great dunks. He could never finish it. He would get fouled. But at once a year, Kevin Knox, you'd be like, oh, and he wouldn't quite do it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and I just always remember that about Kevin. I I, I root for the guy. He seems very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope it works for him. Definitely, definitely. So I like this team. The bigger disappointment. I was just watching another podcast before we jumped on to mention how Obi Toppin um, feel that the Knicks is wasting. They didn't say they was wasting his, his talent, but he had no chance to play. Yeah. He has no chance to play. He's just a spot up shooter in the corner. And mm-hmm. I mentioned that if he could develop his perimeter game, you can give him some minutes at the three. He's athletic enough to pay, play the three. I think so. But he needs to know how to shoot that ball consistently and to well, play the three. I don't I don't know because we say that. And and nobody looks at Obi and thinks like that as a shooter. But mm-hmm. that's really what he's become. And if you look at his numbers, like it's not all about numbers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's all he's that's all he's really been given. That's all he's been given the chance to do, and he's improved at it. I feel yeah. bad for Obi because I think it's just been an unfortunate situation for him. I don't feel a lot of people screaming that Obi needs to be getting however many look like more minutes. Look, he got drafted, and the guy who plays his position ahead of him was all NBA. Obi's rookie year and is an all-star again this year. Mm-hmm. The coach is not going to play one of those guys at the center. There's no room for Obi here. I agree with Obi. He's too much of a, a classy guy to say it, but they are wasting his talent and they're wasting his time and they're wasting his ability to, to make money 
in his profession when he only has a couple chances to make money. Obi, remember, Obi's younger than most rookies. Yeah. Um, so Obi already is like, I think, 25. Mm. He's not going to get his first contract until he's like maybe 26 years old. Mm-hmm. If, he, if he gets a three, four-year deal, he's going to get maybe one more deal when he's in his prime. That's it. And all of these maybe, maybe, maybes get made harder for him when he's not out there playing at all. I just think it's a bad, it's a bad matchup. It's just a bad – it just doesn't work. Um, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I, I Even Ian, Ian Begley, who covers the Knicks for um, SNY and has covered them for other publications – He's a, he's a pretty um, neutral. He doesn't he doesn't put his opinion into things a lot. Even he tweeted today that for Obi's sake, he wished the Knicks would trade him because yeah. give him a shot somewhere to to, to show more of what he can do. Mm-hmm. Listen, Matt, when he plays over thirty minutes, yes, he's twenty point six points per game, seven point three rebounds. <laughs> this is the problem you saw last year when they benched Randall at the end of the season mm-hmm. and they started Obi and they gave him minutes, he mm-hmm. blew up. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't I don't have any doubt that the man can play. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not gonna get it here. Mm. That's how it happened. And you just want the team to the team to do right by him. Mm-hmm. Um we'll see. We'll see what happens. Many years ago, mm-hmm. uh Cleveland, the Cavaliers had a brilliant they drafted Mark Price and Mark mm-hmm. Price was their point guard and Mark Price was if you remember Mark Price Mark Price was years ahead of his time yeah he was the he was the first guy to split the double team um mm-hmm. on pick and rolls he was a brilliant shooter he killed the Knicks mm-hmm. Cleveland drafted another point guard a year or two later to a brilliant young player Kevin John no Kevin Johnson oh Kevin Johnson Kevin Johnson was very briefly a Cavalier and wow. it's the same situation. You've got this brilliant young player mm-hmm. who is not going to get a shot because the guy ahead of him is an all-star. Mm-hmm. Now, what did the Cavaliers do? They turned Kevin Johnson into Larry Nance. They traded him to Phoenix. That was a good deal. That that really put, if you remember the Cavs when they had Brad Doherty and Larry Nance and Hot Rod Williams and Craig, those were legit. Magic Johnson in the 80s called them the team of the 90s. Like They were expected to run the league. They made that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. The Knicks, unfortunately, have probably hurt Obi's value. Yeah, by ever playing him. So do, about, do, do the right. But here's the problem: they could trade him. But everybody knows. I think after next season, Obi can be um, like whoever has Obi. Whoever has Obi going to next season has to make the decision of either extending him or giving him the. Um, I think the qualifying option. The qualifying and then either he's a restricted. Like if you if you take Obi now, you have to pay him like in a year, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of teams probably feel you know what I'll wait till he's free, because um, I can probably get him for less. That's what happened to Reddish. Reddish's mm-hmm. qualifying offer is way higher than what anyone's going to pay him. That's part of why he's kind of gotten screwed the way that he has. Um, Obi, I just I would like one team out there to be like we want this guy. Like we see what he can do. We trust him. We want that. Come come be with us. Right. Wow, this is powerful. This is powerful stuff. I feel bad for the guy. They they compared it to Amari Stoudemire, but you know, it's like the situation with the with people the say Mets. a lot of things. people say yeah, a lot say, of things. Though. He does have he does have um, Stoudemire's range as far as the jump shooting, jump shot. But you know, um, I mean, let's just let's not compare the post games of Amari Stoudemire and Obi Toppin. No, let's not let's not do that right now. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. <laughs> like Daryl Strawberry and Daryl Strawberry Jr. both played professional sports to some extent, mm-hmm. but but we don't compare their careers. No, because one guy played five minutes in the NBA, mm-hmm. and one guy was Daryl Strawberry. Yeah, so we're not Stoudemire and Obi Toppin. They both can jump. Mm-hmm. Just leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> don't 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 bring Amari Stoudemire casually into a conversation like that. People forget, man. People forget. I hear Shaq get talked about like Shaq wasn't what he was. Mm-hmm. People say Shaq is over. Draymond Green saying that he would he would he would handle Shaq today. There's literally never been a single player who would handle Shaq ever. No. And it's not Draymond Green. 
No, 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 not not this not this era. Probably the nineties era. That nineties era centers the big four, the big three: Admiral Ewing and Amalajuan. Yeah, they try to cancel them out. Mm-hmm. But remember, a lot of those games, a lot of those matchups, it was yeah. Charles Oakley guarding Shaq a little yes. bit. It was Anthony, May- and same with the same way the other way around. Otis they would put Horace Grant on Patrick Ewing. Yeah. They would put Otis Thorpe on Pat. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't stupid. Nobody was stopping those guys <laughs> for forty minutes. But Shaq, Draymond Green's like six foot seven. Oh no, no, way. no, no way, <laughs> no. And I and I feel I feel that um, I feel Ewing and Elijah and 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 Admiral and Shaq could have played in this era. Their, their PPGs would have been oh, much higher if. If those guys had come up now with their size, mm-hmm. and you like Ewing was was basically almost a three point shooter when he didn't need to be, he would have been a three point shooter. Um, I mean, Robinson was an incredible athlete in transition. Mm-hmm. Elijah one, Elijah one, would give would give the league fits. Mm. And he would be able to shoot too because he had a, he had he, he had wasn't huge, but he had a pretty good shot. He had range too. Um, yeah. And the, th- the thing is, this is about Elijah one that and B said some disrespectful stuff about Elijah one. I said, don't disrespect that man because you you didn't you didn't play him in his prime. I I watched Elijah one in the Western Conference Finals in 1995 destroy David Robinson, an all world defensive center, all MVP world MVP MVP. Destroyed David Robinson that year. He killed him, and then he swept I, Shaq right afterwards. Yep, I, I had I had tears for David Robinson that that whole series because <laughs> it, it it was this it was this destruction, and the the look that the Elijah had in his eyes, yep. he's like he wasn't satisfied with that beat that he gave Admiral. He wanted to give him more. Kenny Smith has said they gave, I think that that series opened in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And they gave David Robinson the MVP trophy, uh, like in a pregame, like in a pregame ceremony. Mm-hmm. And Kenny Smith has said, like, Elijah was watching that, mm-hmm. and then, then the jump ball went up, and that was it. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 man, yeah. So, Matt, before we before we let you go, man, I know you got to jump, but let's get let's get quick let's get quick quick Mets talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick Mets talk. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's the that's the I have you on the. I want to have you back talk about the Mets. Um, Steve Cohen, our owner, um, made some comments today that the time is running out for the Mets to win the World Series. Um, hmm. I understand where he's coming from with that statement, but there was key mistakes that he made, in my opinion. Um, the the Carlos Correa situation. He spoke like a fan and not as an owner when he announced the signing and then, and then had to backtrack off the signing because of a medical situation. Look, we all know about the medical situation. The only problem I had with that whole situation was he followed the same doctor that the Giants used. You could have got your own independent doctor like Scott Boris. That was strange. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Scott Boris anyway, but still. Mm-hmm. 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 You should have done that to protect yourself. For making yeah. that that mistake, and that's all mistake owners cannot make. Okay, two mistake that he made was investing in two close to forty year old pitchers to almost 80, 80 something dollars, eighty something million dollars a year. That's commitment. I felt that that wasn't in smart on his part, in my opinion. I'm less bothered about Correa than. I normally would be because the move, what I take mostly from that whole move is the owner showed me he will not stop. Like the Mets had already had like a, a, a under the Christmas tree off season before the Correa thing happened. Mm-hmm. When that, if you remember the reaction from everybody was like, what the, f-? like, yeah, is it, is that enough? And you yeah. see what this man, no, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy about that especially mm-hmm. after decades of an ownership group that was the opposite of that coupons <laughs> what i know what i know i'm not gonna say names but what i know is the next player who becomes available mm-hmm. 
the next impact bat that will fit a position of need, this man is going to get it. Machado, Machado, Machado. Very, very well could be. And, and guess what? Yeah. I would take Machado over Correa because oh, yeah. remember, even though he did get the deal he got with the Twins, he was six years, maybe $200 million, and then there's an option uh, mm-hmm. for the last year. Even with that, that means that three teams this year either pulled or modified offers to him because they're that concerned about his health. I've never heard of that with a player. That could no. be a confident now that could be a thing that you know once the once the thing with the Giants fell through, it became a public story and, and so whatever. But mm-hmm. there to me, I'm not upset that my team didn't commit three hundred million dollars over ten years to a guy that has an injury that three different teams all said, Oh, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Now, I don't know who's gonna be next, but mm-hmm. someone during the season is going to be available. And the Mets are going to have all the money they didn't spend on Correa. Mm-hmm. They're going to have that money now to go get the other person. As far mm-hmm. as Scherzer and Verlander, mm-hmm. I wish they had kept DeGrom. DeGrom got an offer. He got a godfather offer. Nobody was going to nobody was going to beat that offer. So, okay, you want the money? Fine. Go take it. I find it bizarre, like you're saying, that a team would – anchor its rotation around two players as old as Verlander and Scherzer, I would guess, and I've read some stuff like where they've talked about it, Verlander seems to be a very unusual case where all of the um all of the data about you know the his, the velocity and the the amount of spin he gets on the ball. And mm-hmm. other than that one year, he he did miss a whole year, right? I don't remember if it was Tommy John surgery or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's been tremendous since then. He's he's always been tremendous. I don't like it. Like I would ideally, I would rather have not had my rotation. But even if they got Degrom back, mm-hmm. Degrom gets hurt a lot. Um, yeah, Verlander may be more dependable than Degrom. Scherzer, yeah, he's old. Mm-hmm. He didn't look old last year for the most part until he got to the playoffs. Yeah, until he got to the playoffs. But again, I trust that during the season. If it becomes apparent, wow, this team needs a starter. Mm-hmm. At the trade deadline, someone's going to have a starter to get moved, and guess who's going to be willing to pay whatever it takes to get that guy? Cohen. The Mets. The New York Mets. So I'm not as bothered as I would normally be losing out on Correa. Um, but I do understand the anxiety of like, ah, but, you know, you just you just want the best team now. Well, give me the best team now, man. I felt I'm a, I'm a big fan of Scooter Scooter Conforto. I felt we should have signed him. I would have liked that. I would have liked that. He should. I mean, we die. We go into we go into the season with DH with Vogelbach and Ruff again, and I'm not I'm not enamored with that. I don't like it. At this point, at this point, Matt, let call up Cespedes, give him an incentive of laying deal, and have him have him hit have him DH. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. I believe you, and he's a he's a favorite of mine. Yeah, I sus- I suspect the organization has turned the page on you and he for this. I know, I know, but I think you would. I think we give much more better production to Vogelbach and Ruff combined, even at his advanced age and chasing boards and golfing before games. He's he's a better producer than these two guys we got in the DH right now. Yeah, but I think also what the Mets want to do is um, they know, for example. We want to be able to spot Lindor some days when we'll play Guillaume in the field. Instead, we'll play Lindor at the DH. We know that we want to get uh, um, the catching prospect, uh, Alvarez. Uh, yeah, Alvarez. The stud yeah. catcher. Alvarez, we want to get him. Like we got to get him at bats. He's not the best catcher. Um, and both our other catchers are very good defensively. So let's get him some at bats at the DH. We know Alonzo will. We don't want him to play. Like I, I'm a little more understanding. But I, I'm not crazy about Ruff at all, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. what Vogelbach. I, I don't know what to make of Vogelbach, <laughs> but I think they probably have plans to rotate the DH position. In which case, I'm okay not having a guy who plays like every day there. Mm-hmm. But they should have. A, they should have enough bats that they can rotate it around and still keep everybody fresh. Gotcha. We'll I would love to talk more about Mets. I know you got to jump, but yeah. 
Yes. Let me know next time. I'll talk Mets anytime you want to talk Mets. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Because we, I mean, pitch the catch should have been reporting by now. So, oh my you know. God, I forgot. You're right. It's almost <laughs> March. Oh my God. Yes, we're about to All get right. started. You so know, we we'll have to do. We we'll have to do a Mets show soon. Absolutely, absolutely. I know you're a busy guy, so I try to pick you. Yeah, I'm always happy. I'm happy to come on, man. Um, tonight's just especially crazy because with the trade deadline, I've got. Uh, a couple other shows I'm doing also. So, like today's been today has been insanity. Just like checking the phone every five minutes and making sure I didn't miss something. When the exactly we didn't talk about this, but when the about two hours before the deadline, an hour before the deadline, the Zach Levine rumor popped up, and Ooh. one of the one of the rumors had the Knicks trading Grimes, and one of them it turned <coughs> I got faked out. It turned out to be a fake shams, but someone tweeted about it quickly in the deal. And people's emotions were getting all over the place. And but RJ, RJ still a Nick. Quickly still a Nick. Grimes Ooh. still a Nick. Zach Levine still a Bull. Um, Dude, that was the package. It was yeah. It was supposed to. I saw crazy deals. I lost. I I admitted I lost my mind. My people had to be like Matt. That's a fit. Look, it's fake. It's not real. Because I I was reading about Ob mm-hmm. Grimes. Like three first rounders, and the thing is, I'll, I'll let you go with this. Like, don't make fun of 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 people's traumatic histories. Mm-hmm. As a Nick, as a Nick fan, I trust Leon Rose. Mm-hmm. I trust Tom too. Like, I think I think they're rational people. Mm-hmm. But when the owner is James Dolan, mm-hmm. it is every Nick fan knows it is always possible that at some point your team is going to make a nightmare deal. Just because the owner wants to, we've seen it. We talked about Bargnani. Mm-hmm. Mello was the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not unheard of for James Dolan to say, "Yo, just make it happen." So when yeah. I saw Zach Levine for Ob and Grimes, especially, and three firsts, oh, my no. mood, my mood oh. darkened real fast, man. Mm-mm. My mood went down. Mm-mm. Can't do yeah. that trade. No, Levine, you, can't, you can't tease a Nick fan like that. That's not right. No, no. You you make that trip for Booker, not for Levine. Exactly. And that's I, in my head, I was like, they they didn't give that up for Donovan Mitchell. Why are they giving it up for Zach Levine? And my brain is like trying to make sense of it. You know? Trying to make sense of it, man. But this is yeah. this is great. It's great having you on the show. I do want to thank you for your time. You joined us. We will have that Mets talk. It's got to figure mm-hmm. out some time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, probably next week or the week after. Um, yeah, we'll uh, time, I'm trying. I'm trying to get more consistent with the podcast. I've been slacking. A lot of things personally going on around me, so I have to um, take care of those things first. Um, like I said, it's a pleasure having you on the show, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We got Matthew Jacobin Sports Show and Nick's Belief Podcast joining me once again. Uh, stay tuned. We may be going live again in about half hour. With me and Joey G next. Maybe. I'm not promising you it. If you don't see me, don't shoot me. But, <laughs> you know, it could happen in the next half hour, so stay tuned. We're going to be talking about ego and how people's ego can stop them from achieving the uh, of, of, of achieving their best selves. Mm. And um, that's a very important subject that I want to talk about, and Joey G decide, wants to join me in that podcast. So, Matt, any, any final words? Just uh, if you're lucky enough that your mother is alive and you're on speaking terms, call your mother. Just say hi to your mom. Always going to say hi to your mom. Absolutely. I'm in total agreement with that because some of us, like myself, don't have a mother. Mm. So, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's um, I'm going to leave it there. I don't want to get emotional right now, but, uh, you know, that's purpose of my mom should have still been here, but, you know, it is what it is, you know. Um, like I said, guys, you guys will see me. If you see me at 9 15 or 9 30 with Joey G, it's happening. If not, don't shoot me. I'll see you guys next time. Preview of the Super Bowl. Wow, Super Bowl, Kansas City Eagles. Let's see if I get my, get my cousin, the big Eagle fan, up in here, the sergeant, up in here for the preview and see what happens. <laughs> I'm gonna get in contact with him, you know, later on this week. I'm trying to get this podcast on on Saturday or Sunday. So, right before the Super Bowl. 
So, guys, enjoy. Me and Matthew will be back with Mets Talk and spring training. Um, both former baseball players we are. You know, so we're avid Mets fans here. So, rock out for the blue and orange. It's your man, Big Dom. We're signing off on the podcast. See you on the next one. Peace.